Welcome to Career Kings, hosted by Chirag Tasker and Jason Spencer, the podcast dedicated to helping you start, accelerate, and dominate in your careers. Jason, why should our audience listen to you? I think they'll find value in this type of content we have to offer. Me in particular, I feel like I can help people start, excel, and and dominate in their careers. I've been doing this quite a long time, and I've helped plenty others along the way. And look forward to helping a new uh, segment of people. Why do you think they should listen? I feel like as I've interviewed, whether it's for new jobs or promotions within the same company, I've learned things about interviewing that aren't the types of things that you read in every other book out there or reading a blog online or your career management center at your college campus taught you. I've learned some of the things that, you know, you need to do those things, which is the basic blocking and tackling. But I've learned some other tricks of the trade, little things that have helped me prepare better, differentiate myself better, really separate myself from the interview so that I can get offers in the times that I wanted it. What makes you a career king? A lot of it has to do with the depth of my prep for my for interviews in particular. A lot of it has to do with the tactics I do, little things I do that when I tell you about them, you're going to say, wow, that makes a lot of sense. That's amazing. But at the same time, I'll ask you or anybody else, did you ever do that? And they'll say no. So I really think I've got these nuggets and gems of concepts that are different than what you get out there and people are not doing them, which means that if you do do them in your interviews, you'll separate yourself and you do very well. What do you think has made you successful as you've had interviews, whether it's for the same company or for new jobs? For me, it all comes down to how I uh, position myself, whether that's in an interview or actually during my career. I'm always positioning myself for the next move. It's helped me a lot. And there are certain tactics you can do to position yourself for the next move. And it helps you maneuver through your career and ultimately drive results. You know, at the end of the day, it's a results-based society. And the way you drive results and the way you progress and dominate is going to lead to you being successful in your career. As a result of our success and our desire to help others, we decided to make this podcast. We're calling this podcast Career Kings. And we really have a goal of helping people learn the things that they're not going to learn from other places. Let's talk about what we really intend to do with this podcast. Let's talk about what our audience should expect from this podcast. Let's also lay out what does the next 10, 12 episode look like. So this is something that we intend to do how often and what the kind of structure of it. We're thinking to keep it fruitful and engaging from a content perspective. Around once a month, you can expect a new podcast. And what we're going to do is arrange the topics where at the end of this series, we've kind of taken you through a full progression, whether that's starting with interviewing, moving on to job search, moving on to maneuvering and progressing through your job, so on and so forth. So at the end of the entire series, in chronological order, we've taken you through a nice progression from a career standpoint. Yep, great. And then from a structural perspective, our thought is that we would start each podcast with a live interview question. You'll hear me ask Jason or Jason ask myself 
a live question that you typically get in an interview. And we will do our best and bring together all of our experience and expertise to answer that question as a real-life question for our careers. Because we're doing it live, there'll be some good parts of it, and there'll be some opportunities with regards to how we answer it. And we will then break down the answer and explain to our audience what we think were good about it and what we think was opportunities to improve that answer. And hopefully our audience at home will start to think about how they might have answered that question, think about what they can take away from what we did well or what we saw opportunity and practice on their own and get much better at it so that these are the types of questions that you should be able to ramble off very, very quickly and very effective answers in your preparation for your interviews. Then the next part of each of our podcasts are going to be the main topic of the podcast for that day. We think there's several main topics that are worthy us dedicating time to talk to. We'll go through main topics like selecting your career, identifying the types of jobs and opportunities that make the most sense for your strengths and interests. Resume design was the best way to design your resume. Again, I think that there's a lot of content out there that'll guide you on resume creation, but we're going to try to focus on the key things that really separate your resume and get attention. We're going to look at applying for jobs. It's the best way to find jobs, apply for jobs, separate yourself in that process. And then we're going to dive into a series of podcasts that will focus on interview prep. And we'll even break that down into a number of podcasts looking at how to conduct your basic company research, how to answer the question to walk through your resume, how to answer high-level guidance on how to answer questions in the interview process to distinguish yourself as a highly valuable candidate for the role. And finally, how to ask questions at the conclusion of your interview and close the interview effectively. We'll have some follow-up podcasts on strategic tactics to separate yourself in the process. And we'll go into the types of career advice we would advise for students entering the job market. And we'll live and focus one of our later podcasts on how to advance in your current role, how to position yourself, navigate interviews aside, how to kind of move up and, and try to get promoted at a high level of frequency and things of that nature. So I think there's a lot of good content that we plan to go through that each of our podcasts will focus that main section on something really, really valuable in, in those areas. One of the sections that I'm most excited about is our guest discussion section, which will be the next piece of this podcast where we're going to bring in guests from all walks of life, from C-suite execs to laid off employees looking for a career or someone looking to change their job and just have a, a good, fruitful conversation on a host of topics. I think the listeners will enjoy this section in particular as we gain some insights and have a little bit more provocative conversation around career in general. And then we want to do a final section on kind of a quick fire question and answer round where Jason and I will go back and forth answering questions very quickly that are really burning questions that hopefully we get from our database of questions as well as people leaving us questions through social media might answer quickly questions like, should I negotiate my offer? How do I close an interview? What's the best way to find new jobs? How do I leverage my network? And we'll do a bunch of quick fire questions like that that I think that'll be really, really interesting to get our quick take on a lot of topics. And then finally, we'll close each podcast with a closing interview question. This will be the live interview question that you can think about that Jason or I will answer at the beginning of the next podcast. And so you get some time to think about it 
how you might answer it, and then we'll try to answer it live. So we'll have some time to think about it, but we certainly won't have any scripted answers, which will definitely allow for some some good and some bad and things to talk about. So that's the structure of the podcast. Again, that might change or tweak in some areas, but we think that'll give you a great deal of content and to listen for. We, we look forward to going down that path. So, Sharag, before we move any forward, I think now's a good time to take a step back and introduce you formally to our listeners. You gave us a little insight on what you felt made you a career king. Why don't you tell us a little bit more about yourself and a little bit about where you come from, your career choices, so on and so forth. Sure, absolutely. So I, my full name is Chirag Tasker. I'm originally from Atlanta. I have moved quite a bit away from Atlanta and back to Atlanta several times, but Atlanta's always been a place that I consider home. I've lived in North Jersey, South Jersey, Huntsville, Alabama, Chicago, and Las Vegas, amongst many places, including several stints back in Atlanta. I uh, was educated initially at Georgia Tech as an electrical engineer and went off to start my career in a, in a defense company and did systems engineering work, designing tanks for the Army for a number of years, and uh, eventually went the consulting route so I can get a lot more exposure to many types of business problems and many companies and many industries and functions. Did that with Accenture out of Chicago for another few years before I realized I really wanted to solve complete, robust, challenging business problems instead of just the technology portion of a business problem. And I knew in order for me to do that effectively, I needed to get an MBA. And so I went to Emory University's Goizueta Business School, where I finished an MBA in finance and marketing and found what may have been thought of as a atypical career track going into the casino industry where I joined what was then Harris Entertainment. Now it's called Caesars Entertainment in a MBA leadership rotational role and really spent a year or two learning the entire business before I could take on more senior roles, leading small to bigger and bigger marketing teams and really cut my teeth in, in loyalty marketing and customer analytics and things of that nature before I, I went on to Vegas and helped launch online gaming and had a great time doing it. It was in 2014 that we left Caesars Entertainment and started Transcend Marketing, a consulting firm focused on helping casinos and gaming executives find uh, more value from their customers. And it's been quite an adventure starting, running, growing Transcend Marketing, our independent consulting firm focusing on the gaming industry, and I've enjoyed it thoroughly. So let me get this straight. And just so our listeners really get a chance to soak this in for a minute. You were a Georgia Tech undergrad, graduated, went into an engineering type of field where you're designing tanks and doing that type of exciting stuff. And then you just pull a total 180 and go to get your MBA and go to, to Emory and really leave engineering alone to take the corporate business route. Can you kind of shed a little bit more light on that and what was going through your mind or, you know, why did you make that type of switch? Yeah, I really think that the MBA did help me make that pivot, specifically from the technology world to uh, business. But in reality, I never thought of myself as an engineer or technology guy or a finance guy or a marketing guy. I jokingly consider myself just a guy, a guy who can look at a business problem, dissect it into its parts identify an execution plan based on 
data-driven strategy to yield business results. And so, you know, the world likes to group people into engineer, marketer, finance, but I don't see myself that way. And that perspective allowed me at least to think of myself in different roles and be successful in different roles. I just had to convince the rest of the world to look at me that way too. So why don't we do the same and flip the switch and have you properly introduce yourself as well so our audience can get an idea of who you are and how you kind of came up through your positions. Sure. I grew up in a lower income working class family, the youngest of four, and I was someone who was driven to change my circumstances. And because of that, it really guided my career decisions and, and educational decisions, so on and so forth. What do you mean by change your circumstances? I didn't like being broke, to, to just be, you know, be honest. And, and I really felt that in, in my neighborhood, although my neighborhood was a, a lower income neighborhood, it was one who probably prioritized and valued the wrong things like the best sneakers and, and things of that nature. <laughs> right. So um, I did not enjoy not being able to get everything I wanted. So and I knew it was a way out and I was someone who was very observant and I would listen to all the older people in the neighborhood saying, oh, if I could do it over again, I'd do better in school. And that's what everyone was saying to me. So I just decided, okay, I'll just do better in school from now. And um, so I, I'll be someone who didn't have to say that 20 years from now. Because of that, came down to Atlanta, Georgia, went to Morehouse College undergrad without a scholarship, worked extremely hard each year to receive an academic scholarship. And I just want our school. audience to really understand this part of defines who you are. You got accepted to Morehouse, a private school in Atlanta, Georgia, because of your academic prowess. Your family could not afford Morehouse. So you spent the first year or two of your time at Morehouse finding aggressively a scholarship to match the high grade point average you achieved in the first year or two. Right? Yeah, I, I went into Morehouse with a couple of outside scholarships, which allowed me a couple of thousand dollars to get enrolled in someone who can register, if you will. But I had a plan. I told myself I'm going to come down there and get a 4.0 and there's no way they'll send me home even if I didn't have the money. That was my plan. I told everyone that plan when I came down here. I didn't get a 4.0, but I got a 3.9 and my plan was right. Every year I would just go and I'm relentless. And I say this because it really starts to shed light on how I navigated my career. I really like that part that you said you told everybody this is your plan because I think there's a lot to be said for telling everybody around you what your plans are to hold yourself accountable. As an example, I've been wanting to start this podcast for some time. And so I told everybody I knew that I was going to start this as it means to – then people started asking me, hey, have you started yet? Are you working on it? And, and it really actually helped me drive towards doing it because yeah, I told everybody to, I don't want to fail yeah. in their eyes. So yeah. start to tell everybody your plans and it will force you to hold yourself accountable to your own vision. Yeah, I'm a very proud individual. I don't want to have an egg on my face and they say, oh, you didn't do it. So I told everyone on that and, and I executed. I got the grades, but more importantly, and, and there were other people with the grades, but I was the one who just sat outside the president of the school's office till seven in the evening till he was leaving saying, hey, you got a kid here who's about to go home. And I, I would do this strategy every year and somehow I would get a tuition scholarship from the school every year. So that plan worked out well. Got my first job at uh, out of school at Wachovia Bank, now Wells Fargo, a regular marketing out of undergrad type job. Uh, after that, I decided to go back and get my graduate degree at NYU. 
focusing more on marketing, sports, entertainment, marketing, worked at Reebok and ESPN while I was at NYU. And then upon graduation, took a job at Caesars Entertainment out in Vegas in the gaming industry. And from there, that's when my career really took off. And that, that same approach of that relentless person, kind of confident in his abilities to blaze his own trail. I, I took that same approach to maneuver my way through Caesars to become an executive there before I was 30. And then a couple of years later down the line, packing things up and starting a new adventure and opening a consulting practice, Transcend Marketing. I want to introduce the next section of our podcast here, where we're going to bring in someone from industry that can provide some outside perspective on career advancement, interviewing, etc. And today, we're really fortunate to have with us Arun, who's in a senior leadership role at Amazon, which is obviously a company that a lot of people would love to work for. Arun, welcome to the show. Thanks, Rod. Arun, let's get right to it. You're currently working at an iconic business powerhouse in Amazon, where a lot of folks would love to work for. Can you tell us a little bit about how you ended up at Amazon? Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's a pretty interesting question. So coming out of business school, I went into the consulting industry. Um, I'd started off in finance and enterprise performance, sort of ran the gamut while I was there, did a few different things in finance, jumped over to strategy consulting, did some pricing consulting, ran across industries, so wholesale retail, a little bit of chemicals, a little bit of transportation, so pretty much across the board. From there, you know, it's a tough life being a consultant. So I was doing that for about five years yep. and I was ready to get off the road, but it obviously had to be the right opportunity. So there's a recruiter that had reached out to me um, about a small company here in Atlanta. The role was really around marketing analytics, something I'm very passionate about, very interested in. So hadn't really heard of the company. The company's name is Fabric.com. But as soon as I found out, it was actually an Amazon subsidiary that actually piqued my interest. So I interviewed in that organization, haven't looked back since. So that's really good feedback. And it also, hopefully our listeners can hear that the type of input you're about to give us is obviously very credible and really valuable. Also, something I heard in there was really interesting that people should think about, which is if you want to work for your dream company, and whether that's Amazon or Google or um, ESPN, one approach may be to look at a subsidiary of that company or another route to get into your long game, which only took you a couple of years to work for Fabric.com before you went to uh, the main kind of Amazon company. So interesting, interesting way you approached that there and worked out well for you. So let me ask you this. Where was that turning point in your career when it accelerated into this type of success and seniority? What kind of separated you and enabled you to start to, to really jump into the executive kind of level? Yeah, gosh, that's a little bit of a loaded question. I would say there are a few different things. So, uh, you know, obviously getting my MBA helps. It helps you think at a different level, helps you think a little more strategically. You obviously interface with a lot of very smart people in the class as well. I was also very interested in analytics. So I got a master's in analytics um, from Northwestern while I was actually a consultant. You know, I would, I would say that those two things from a technical standpoint, they help out a lot. One of the things that's really helped me in my career so far is not being afraid to try new things and trying and failing. Failing is absolutely okay because with failure comes success. So as long as you can learn from those failures, um, you're almost guaranteed to have successes going forward. So I understand that Amazon has kind of a unique kind of proprietary process to how they interview to make sure they bring in the best talent. Can you tell us a little bit about that? And, and more importantly, how people should prepare for anybody, any company that has that type of approach to finding talent? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, one of the most important things is that the story that you tell is really about the work that you've done and you know the extreme details behind that. So 
Amazon interviews, what we do is we try and go as deep as possible into a few different areas. Mm -hmm. So pulling out those details and making sure that you understand your process and your work within those details is super important. Got it. And also just being very clear in terms of communication about what you did and how it helped the organization and your team will get you pretty far. Got it. Do you have any other parting words that has helped you in your past prepare for an interview, prepare for an Amazon-like interview that can help separate yourself from other potential candidates? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I, we talk a lot about the STAR technique you hear it in school, and it's actually really important. One of the things that I had done was I looked at about three or four different large stories of mine that were very sort of uh, successful for me in the past, and I understood the details behind that. So really, you can take those stories and you can tailor them into pretty much any interview question, as long as you really understand the details and the value sure. that you provide. Sure. Yeah, I found that if I have my three or five stories, no matter what question the interviewer asks me, I can bring it back to one yeah. of those five stories. Absolutely. Well, thanks, Ren. I want to thank you for joining us today and wish you continued success. Thank you, Trevor. Okay, so Jason, the next section that we're going to do in each episode, I'm really excited about. This is what we're going to call the quick fire question section. And we're going to take a couple of questions, maybe three, five questions each episode and ask each other. And these are meant to be quick, lighthearted, 30 to 60 second type of answers, you know, so it's real quick and fun, but also meant to be real questions that people really have and can really help them think about different phases of their career, whether it's the interview process or it's, you know, how to move up in your job. We'll just go back and forth, ask each other some questions and have a quick answer. Great. Why don't we start out with me asking you a question? Let's go. Okay, what are the biggest mistakes people make in an interview? You'll probably see some of the similar things that uh, you might read or get from uh, your college career management center around showing up on time and being prepared for the interview. But the thing I want to really focus on that I think is the biggest area for someone to improve is actually in their mentality. Too many people go into the interview process, what I call kind of playing defense or playing from behind. Their goal, whether they state it inherently or not, based on their actions, seems like it's not to fail. And I want to change folks' mentalities so that their goal is not to avoid failure, but rather to go into the interview with the degree of tenacity that allows them to walk away really feeling good that they differentiated themselves and realizing that there is no second place in job interviewing. There's no, I didn't get the job, but I think I did well. That doesn't make any sense to me. Either you got the job or you didn't, and you got to put yourself through that kind of rigorous approach to that mentality. Let me ask you a question. What's a dress code for an interview? And are there any exceptions to that? Sure. In terms of dress code, I always lean on the side of conservative. For men, suit and tie, and for women, the appropriate equivalent to that. In terms of exceptions, the only exception I see is if they tell you what to wear and it does not involve that. I would not assume based on how cool you think a company is or what products they have, so on and so forth, that should dictate your interview attire. The fact of the matter is those people who dress like that already have the job. So you need to lean on the side of caution. And I always wear a suit and tie. So what if I'm walking around and walking around Google or something like that and everybody's in shorts and a T-shirt? I walk in and I want to show them I can embrace their culture. I don't wear shorts and a T-shirt or even jeans or I always suit and tie. Yeah, again, like I said, I embrace the culture once I get the job. Uh, the interview process is still a formal process. Now, unless the recruiter or someone tells you, hey, dress casual, this is kind of what we do, then go ahead and do that. If you're really questioning the fact of your dress, it's okay to ask a recruiter what the appropriate dress code would be. But again, I would just stay on the side of suit and tie. Makes sense. I guess the final answer is you can never 
lose a job for being overdressed, right? Correct. How about this one? How long should I be in a job before I ask for a promotion? That's a really good question. I know that in my past leadership roles, I had people from my team asking me for promotions all the time. And they saw maybe other people that got advanced promotions and thought that that became the norm where everybody who's asking for it gets promoted every six months. And the truth is asking for a promotion before you're ready for one hurts you significantly, makes you look like you lack the right level of maturity to understand where you really fit in the organization. And so it's hard to answer the question across a large range of our audience, but typically what I've seen, and it depends on company, industry, role, function, but on the quick side of things, it takes about two years in role. That means two years through an annual process of proving that you beat your performance goals on the light end and, and on the heavy end, maybe five years. So two to five years. That's not to say I haven't or I haven't seen other people get promoted quicker, but I think it's important that you don't ask for a promotion before you are really ready for it. But that doesn't mean you can't go to your boss and ask them what you should be doing to be prepared for a promotion or ask your boss what is the acceptable, reasonable timeline that you should be working towards a promotion that makes your boss on your side and a champion of you. And he knows that you're looking for a promotion, which helps too. You can also ask colleagues and find out how often they got promoted or, or what's the regular around here. All of that is way better than asking for a promotion too soon and making yourself look bad. Makes sense. Here's a tough one that folks get all the time when you get asked in an interview for you know your strengths and your weaknesses. And people are usually pretty good in the strengths question, but struggle with what's a weakness. So what's a good weakness to say when you're asked in an interview about your strengths and weaknesses? Great question. Let me start off by saying what's not a good weakness. And it's usually when you put yourself on the extreme end of something good. So I am too much of a hard worker. I am too much of a perfectionist, things of that they nature. They see right through that. Yeah, people see right through that. And that's kind of you're not the only one saying that. A lot of people are saying that is is just not a good and honest answer. I like to look at that this question and, and answer it honestly, but still portray myself in a good light. So I would look at the job and the responsibilities and take a responsibility or a skill that's kind of an optional skill set and might be on the fringe of the core competencies of a skill there and talk about that. So for instance, if I'm applying to a marketing job and it might say there's some digital marketing required as a weakness, I would say from a digital marketing perspective, I'm very strong on the strategy end, but I would like to get better in terms of tactics. Again, that addresses the point that you understand the scope of the role and you're hitting on a fringe responsibility, which won't have too much of a negative impact on you. Yeah, that's great guidance. Cool. So our last question for you, Shrag, is can my resume be more than one page? Good question. We see this all the time. Typically, folks used to always say only one page, get it down to one page. The reality of it is your resume can be the length that's appropriate for your career. And it doesn't mean the level of your job, but it does mean kind of the amount of years and work experience you've got. If you're out of school or five, eight years experience, I got to believe that you can succinctly record your experiences in a page. Albert Einstein once said, I would have said less, but I didn't have the time, indicating that it takes more effort to say things succinctly. And you really need to try to say things succinctly. If your career is 10, 12 years or plus, 
and you've got five, six work experiences, roles, jobs, then absolutely your resume can be on two pages. I really have a hard time imagining needing to go over two pages. What you've got to realize is this world is all about what have you done lately. And so although it's painful, you have to purge some of the work experience that's dated in your past that's just not relevant to this job anymore, even though you're proud of what you did. And that's a tough part. Quick answers if you're, let's just say, 10 years of work experience or less, probably hard to imagine being over a page. 10, 12 years or more, it'd be nice to get to a page, but I think it'd be more acceptable if you happen to go over to a second page. Got it. So the art of letting go is sometimes tough. Exactly. And here's the last question for you today, Jason. If I'm taken out to eat during an interview, which happens from time to time, how should I think about what I order? Ribs with extra sauce? <laughs> I stay away from the ribs. Honestly, I would order the easiest thing to eat on the menu. That does not require hands, limited cutting, because you have to understand you're going to be talking and doing a lot of stuff while your meal is there. So you want something that's very easy to consume, you know, salmon, where you could just easily cut with your fork and, and eat in one full swipe and things of that nature. Nothing that requires heavy cutting, nothing that gets too messy and will take your focal point off of the objective, which is communicating why you're the best person for the job. Great. Well, I enjoyed this quick fire round. I think I'm looking forward to continuing to doing this part of the podcast because at the end of the day, getting these little stuff right can add up to helping you to get the job. So we're going to end today's podcast with an interview question for Shrag. Great. Shrag, tell me about yourself. Thank you, Jason. Great question. And I'm going to answer that for your next episode. Thanks for listening to Career Kings with hosts Chirag Tasker and Jason Spencer. Be sure to tune in to the next episode. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Career Kings and leave your questions, which we may answer on future recordings. Subscribe to our show where you normally get your podcasts or access them on SoundCloud.com.